Are you a musician interested in improving your performance? Welcome to Notes on Jazz. I'm your host, Keith Davis. If you want to learn more about jazz improvisation, harmony, and composition, or just want to improve your piano skills, this is the place for you. We'll be hosting interviews with fellow musicians, offering tips and techniques on study and practice, and lots of other cool stuff. Whatever instrument you play, or if you're a vocalist, you will find something helpful and interesting here. So come hang out with us at Notes on Jazz. So I'm happy today to have uh, the great drummer, composer, band leader, Jonathan Blake. It's a real pleasure to have you, Jonathan. Man, thanks for having me, man. Pleasure to be here, Keith. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I like your t-shirt too. Crispy drums. Ah, yeah, awesome. dope, dope beats. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've known about you for a while here, of course, you know, but um, where I recently uh, had a chance to see you play was uh, watching that video of Maria Schneider, big band, when you guys were at the Jazz Standard. Oh, like yeah, yeah. You remember that? There's a video of that. Uh, yeah, that was a few years back. I think that was... Um, I think it was 2019, maybe. Yeah, I think it was mm-hmm. right at, right after our recording or maybe right before we were about to go into the studio. Yeah, some of it was in the studio, actually. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it was probably around that time we were uh, doing the Data Lords uh, project. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah, so that was great to actually see you live playing. Oh, man, thank you. Yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, that was really special because it was... Uh, my first and last time playing with uh with the great uh Frank Kimbrough. Uh that was one of his last recordings and yeah. I was just you know, it was my first recording with the band. So um, you know, just uh the honor to be able to share that recording with him and also uh the many yeah. times that we were able to share the bandstand together. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Frank was a friend of mine too. Yeah, yeah. He was a yeah. he was such a great guy, so uh, I miss yeah. him dearly. Yeah, I know. Me too. I wish I'd, I I was hoping to have a long, uh, continuous, growing friendship with him, you know? Yeah. 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 So actually, we played a tune. I, I my, my, my band did a concert last night at a local music museum, and uh, there's a tune that I wrote for Frank and on Jeff Hirschfield, kind of the both of them, you know, together. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah. And uh, we played that last night. Yeah, he and Jeff had a really amazing connection. Same with he, he and... Uh... Uh, like he, Jay, and Jeff, you know, so uh, yeah, yeah, all, right, right. all of them had like a really beautiful connection. So yeah, uh, absolutely, man. Yeah, I'm sure they missed them too. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, um, I've been just sort of looking into your background a little bit and uh, to find out a little bit more about you. And um, mm-hmm. I just wonder if you'd like to talk about your background, how you came up and uh, where and a little bit how you about how you got into music and um, and, you know, how it's brought you to this point, you know? Oh, sure. Um, I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Um, My father, um, John Blake Jr., was a a world-renowned jazz violinist who, um, when I was born, he was uh, was starting to tour with uh, the great Grover Washington Jr. in the um, mid-70s, and he played with him for about three or four years, first as a... um, I think he was contracted to get a string section together. Grover had a project that he was doing with uh, an orchestra. So my father was hired on as to, uh, to contract the musicians for the orchestra um, in and around Philly. Uh, he was known um, in Philly to uh, uh, 
you know, knew a lot of the string players in Philly in the classical mm -hmm. and, and the jazz. So, um, you know, he was hired on to, to, uh, to uh, contract and get the string players. And then I guess Grover got wind that he could also solo. Oh, nice. So on some nights, uh, I guess this was part of a tour. On some nights, Grover would call him up on stage to uh, to solo with him, and uh, uh, <clears throat> yeah, and I guess that led to uh, Grover wanting to uh, scale down a bit, and he hired my dad as kind of like the second voice in mm -hmm. the band, <laughs> and it was a band of um, all Philly musicians, basically. Uh, nice. uh, uh, Pete Vinson, who unfortunately is no longer with us, was a great drummer. Mm -hmm. uh, Leonard Doc Gibbs, who was a great percussionist. Uh, again, who's not with us, you know, a bunch of the band members are, are gone, but uh, Tyrone Brown was playing bass. Um, the great Sid Simmons played keyboards and piano. Richard Stecker was the guitarist, and my father doubled on violin and um, and keyboards. So I kind of grew up with music in, in the house. My mom um, is a retired school teacher, but she also studied classical piano. Mm -hmm. So music was a big uh, part of my my upbringing. And I have two younger sisters, their upbringing also. Yeah. So uh, music was always in the house. And uh, from the time I was a baby, um, my parents felt it important to to expose their children to live music so yeah. uh, and Grover was really big on family so any chance that he could he would try to have the families come out on the road with him oh, well, so cool, I was man. going out pretty early on tour great, with my man. dad that's really cool man. Show. yeah it was really yeah. it was really amazing so um so yeah so and uh you know coming up in the school system public school system in Philadelphia um at that time there was it was uh, great music programs in, in most of the public schools. Um, so my elementary school, I was, uh, well, I, I should preface that. I, I started playing violin first when I was three years old. My father was, uh, of course, my first teacher. But then I started taking weekly lessons at a um, music program or I guess say I should say one of one of the music facilities that they had in in New York there was a place called sediment settlement music school and these were like uh music schools outside of your regular public school that were in and around um the cities of Philadelphia and different parts of the city and so um I started taking lessons at the Germantown branch of Philadelphia uh at the settlement music school in Germantown mm -hmm. um because that was the area I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And um I had weekly lessons on violin and uh and so so that yeah so that's where it kind of began and then when I um started going to public school uh I, I first started in in, in private school mm -hmm. and then in public school when I switched to public school around 5th grade uh the school that I was at had a full blown orchestra so I was playing Ooh. violin and orchestra Ooh. and right around that time uh, they were offering, uh, they were trying to start, um, I guess, a full music program, which meant having a concert band, which meant also having like a jazz band. Ooh. So um, they had, excuse me, they had, a, they kind of had auditions for the kids. I remember being in the auditorium with a bunch of kids and we all had to kind of take this proficiency test or whatever it was. Yeah. 
I don't know. You know, I did a fine notes or singing back notes. I don't know what right. it was, but right. um, but whatever it was, I got uh, I got a uh, maybe about a week or two later, I got a message um, in one of my classrooms that I was in, stating that I scored very highly high on the proficiency music proficiency test, and so with that came uh, the choice of what. Uh, instrument I would like to play in addition to the violin and I had always been fascinated with rhythm my you know my parents would tell me when I was very young that I would <clears throat> kind of set up my mom's pans on the kitchen floor and take spoons and whatever was on the radio I would just kind of start trying to mimic the rhythms that I was hearing right so uh so yeah so when this opportunity presented itself I said okay of course I want to play drums so uh when with that was they set you up with a teacher and you had weekly lessons at the school and so I started taking uh, drum lessons, uh, not at not on set but like on snare drum, kind of like nice. classical snare drum. Nice. And um, my reading was terrible. I couldn't really read music. I you know I always had like uh, really high level. Uh, my ears were really high, like where I could really hear anything once and I could play it right back to you. Um, and I think that's partly because of uh, my upbringing with with um, violin, I I was taught by ear first. Uh, the, mm -hmm. the Suzuki method, which mm -hmm. taught you by ear first before you really learned how to read. So, I was all, my ears were always sharp. Like I could always hear something once and be able to kind of play it back to you. So, um, so uh, but the teacher worked with me, and, and eventually, you know, my reading got stronger. Um, and which and then these were all feeder schools, so. My my elementary school fed into the meet uh the middle school that I was going to, and when I got to middle school, uh, CCA Baldy Middle School, which was in the northeast part of Philadelphia, that's where I started playing in the concert band and the and the jazz band, and um, uh, so yeah, so I started you know learn you know my my music teacher then was was a pretty hip guy. He knew you know he knew about like you know, bird and, and yeah. train and miles and yeah. and he he was really into like weather reports. So we played a lot of those charts of yeah, cool. uh, like bird bird land and things of that nature. Cool, yeah. Um but uh by that point by like sixth and seventh grade I had also started playing in a youth ensemble, jazz youth ensemble that met outside of school was coached by a great gentleman who who recently turned eighty, but he he taught all of us, uh Christian McBride uh, the late great Joey DeFrancesco, Kurt Rosenwinkel, uh, Rob Landum, and his brother Byron Landum, uh, Jaleel Shaw, on down to people like Justin Faulkner, Nasir Ebo, his brother, and um, and Emmanuel Wilkins. Um, his name his name is Levin Hines, hmm. and he still teaches. And he uh, he started a youth program called uh, the Levin Hines Clef Club, uh, the Clef Club Youth Ensemble. So on the weekends, um, I was getting exposed to to Art Blakey and wow. and, yeah. and and uh, you know Lee Morgan and and Elvin Jones and Miles Davis and Wayne Shorter. We were learning charts, you know, and so uh, uh, and we were and we were starting to play little gigs in and around uh, Philadelphia. So uh, it was for me, it was so inspiring to find you know, kids my age, like 11, 12 years old, who were 
you know, starting to get into the same type of music I was checking out. You know, yeah, we were all great. influenced by, you know, stuff we heard on the radio, you know, R&B and hip hop. But to actually also have this side music that we were into, you know, where we were checking out Wayne Shorter or, or yeah. uh, you know, or Charles Mingus, whoever, uh, it was really inspiring. So, um, so yeah, so I played with uh, the Love and Hines Clef Club Youth Ensemble uh, up until... You know, I graduated from high school. I went to high school um, at we uh, what was the high school? George Washington High School, and um, my 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 uh, music teacher there was also another very hip individual. He he taught you know uh, people like uh, the great Char the late great Charles Fambro, and yeah. so uh, so he knew a lot about the music. Um, so and that and there I also started playing in drum corps and marching band, um, and that was kind of the prerequisite for um, getting into the jazz band in high school. You had to play in the marching band, and it was great. You know, like it really helped with my technique, mm -hmm. um, and also reading. You know, reading all these uh, drum etudes and marches and stuff like that sure. really helped. So it kind of uh, transcended into you know my jazz playing too. Um, so, um, uh, I should also preface that, uh, before I could play the drums and get a drum set, <laughs> my father and mother, uh, stressed to me that I needed to take piano lessons. So, um, so the same school, the settlement music school that I was mentioning earlier, uh, in addition to playing violin, I also had to take piano lessons, yeah. which I didn't want to do. But now that I look back on it, I'm glad that uh, my mother and father were so persistent because uh, it has really helped with my composing. You know, yeah, I can sit down and figure out chords and 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 different um, you know movements and how I want you know and how I want to to shape my tunes that I write. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if I could do a gig on piano, but I could most certainly like figure out chords and chord progressions. Yeah. So I, you know, I have to thank them for that because I, you know, I know I probably put up a a big stink or a big fight to, you know, when they told me, yeah, before we get you this drum set, you're going to have to take mm -hmm. some piano lessons. So, um, so, um, so let me yeah, ask you so something. What, I hate but, to interrupt, but I want to ask you. So when you were learning piano and when you said when you, it helps you, of course it helps with composing, you know, mm -hmm. but how did, did you, how did you learn about the harmonic stuff that you needed to learn about in order to compose? Did you have a teacher that showed you that stuff? I did. I had a teacher at Settlement who kind of showed me. Well, first we were playing a lot of, uh, you know, classical A2s. We were playing a oh, lot of sure. uh, those Bach inventions, you know, sure, like man. those two-part in sure, inventions. Yeah. Um, and and then I got, you know, I got really into Bella Bartok. Like I mm -hmm. really started to love all his, you know, his uh, compositions. And so... Um, I remember pretty, you know, pretty early on, and um, my teacher had me learning all these different Bach etudes and stuff like this, and um, and so um, I I started learning about harmony first through that, and then um, later on I had I had another teacher, um, and this was also outside of uh, all. This is kind of more when I went to went to college. I started studying with a. Uh, a teacher named uh, Noreen uh, Gray Leanhart, 
And she really helped me with um, uh, learning about harmonic progressions and and you know we were always shedding on two fives and yeah, yeah, and, sure. and all this yeah, beautiful. And, um so she would have me bring in tunes that I was working on and you know she would first show me like okay I love this this melodic uh motif that you have here's some ideas that you can play with and mm -hmm. you know she would have me you know uh you know think about different kind of harmonic structures based off of some of the uh devices that she that she would give you know give to me on a weekly mm -hmm. basis um then i started studying with another gentleman by the name of um vincent hill he was also at uh the college i went to which was uh william patterson mm -hmm. um so a lot of that came later on in, in college um in high school it was more like just classical structure um mm -hmm. I was learning, you know, just learning about the facility of the piano and just being able to get around it, practicing my scales and, you know, and, and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's good. Yeah. yeah so, um, yeah. So, um, and, and then I also, I should say in high school, I went to, again, I went to George Washington High School and, and I also started studying more classical percussion. So I started playing a lot of marimba, oh, cool. uh, vibraphones, and that also helped with, mm -hmm. um, you know, with my, you know, with my uh, piano playing. So, it was, mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of like, you know, of course, like playing, you know, vibes is kind of like playing piano in, in, sure. in a way because you have the full orchestra right there. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, um, yeah, so I started, uh, I started learning more and more about, you know, different ways. I, you know, I started learning melodies and learning and learning uh, standard tunes, standard repertoire tunes on vibes mm -hmm. and, um, and trying to translate that melodic aspect to to the drums even early on. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, when I graduated from high school, um, I got a scholarship to uh, two schools. I got a scholarship to Manhattan School of Music and also William Patterson University. Um, and uh, we all decided on uh, William Patterson. Um, because it was a smaller school and, and I felt that I needed more individual attention yeah. um, with, with less distractions, you know, per mm -hmm. se, meaning that I think sometimes, or I think in my case, like, I know if being right in the center of New York, <laughs> I wouldn't be going to class. I would just be going out and, <laughs> and hanging and going to see shows. And I was doing yeah. that anyway at William yeah, Patterson, true. but it was a little it was far enough away from the city that I could you know kind of focus right and uh you know get my grades up you know because my grades coming out of high school weren't that great but by the first semester at William Patterson I had you know pulled my grades up to about a 3.8 or a 4.0 grade great average. Yeah. Yeah. and it was thanks in part to teachers like uh Rufus Reed who was there um David Dempsey who Dr. David Dempsey who's still there and now that I'm back there as a as a professor now, it's kind of kind of crazy to come back yeah. to those halls at uh, William Patterson. Great. But the faculty when I was going to school there was amazing. You know, they had Steve Wilson, Steve Ture, uh Vincent Herring was one of my instructors. Yeah. Yeah. So these were all musicians who were on the scene uh, working constantly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it was you know it was very inspiring to be around, surrounded by. Uh, these professional musicians because they sure. they were already doing what we as students were trying to get to so yeah. Um, yeah. 
So with the encouragement of a lot of uh, professors there, especially like uh, Vincent Herring and, and Steve Wilson, they they encouraged us all to bring in any, any original music to the ensemble. So mm-hmm. I was I was I had already started writing in high school. You know, my my first um, one of my first instructors that I mentioned, Levin Hines, he encouraged us at a very young age. I think we were like 12 and 13 when we were first starting to compose our own music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just kind of continue with that. I, you know, I kind of mm-hmm. continued um, because one of the things that Lovett and, and my father would stress to me was that, you know, writing your own music is, is a way to, um, to uh, showcase your own voice in this music. Absolutely. So, I tell my uh, own so, students that all the time, you know, I tell them, I, I encourage them all to write tunes. I, t- I tell them I've learned as much from writing my own music as I have from any other thing, you know, it helps you. Grow. Yeah. Yeah. You, you really learn about yourself for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, with that encouragement, I just continued to write all through high school and, yeah. uh, and, 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 and through college too. And mm-hmm. then um, when I graduated from William Patterson, I was already working pretty steadily, uh, and William Patterson, I, um, you know, I was working professionally with uh, uh, the great Oliver Lake and his yeah. big band, yeah. and um, and the Mingus big band, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and and also, uh, I think my second year in, in school, I started working with uh, Roy Hargrove's um, quintet. So, um, so I was already I was already starting to work as as a professional musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I graduated. Um, I took some time off and was just, you know, uh, you know, touring quite a bit with these with these different bands. And when um, when I was about to have my first child um, in the early 2000s, 2005, I decided to go back to school so that I could take some time off the road mm-hmm. and be home. Uh, so I decided to go back to school and to get my master's and I um I got into Rutgers University and I I got this full ride uh, in this fellowship called the uh, Ralph Bunch Fellowship, which paid for your school. And they also gave you a stipend to kind of yeah. keep you in town. Yeah. So, um, so that was also an, an amazing experience because I went back and um, as opposed to what I did in undergrad, where I got my uh, degree in um, jazz studies, I went back and and jazz studies and performance. I went back and got my degree in, in composition, and so there uh, at Rutgers, uh, I uh, started studying with um, the late great Stanley Cal. Oh yeah. Um, and and I had like an independent independent study class with him where we just dealt with compositions, and he gave me a different technique each week to try to to write a to you know to write a tune based off of whatever technique he had whether it was uh he had this thing called the mirror image where um the left hand is mirroring whatever the right hand is doing so yeah 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 so he had he yeah yeah. (laughs) so he had me writing you know a composition based off of that writing uh you know so all the every week there was a different device that he came up with for me to to write but it was great because then i was studying also with uh the great um Victor Lewis yeah. and and Ralph Bowen uh, was coaching the big band. Conrad Herwig was doing um, composition and raging. 
So it was just really great to go back with that mindset of like really trying to learn all I can about composition. And so I got my master's there in uh, 07 um, in composition. Yeah, that's great, man. This yeah. is inspiring, man. I want all my, you know, part of this podcast is uh, directed towards students, you know, of this mm -hmm. music, you know. So mm -hmm. it's great to hear you say all these things about how you learned. It's inspiring, and I think it'll be inspiring for them as well. Oh, I hope so, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this yeah. is this is definitely yeah. my, you know, yeah. how I how I came about it, and uh, mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, I, I think what's important is and what I, what I kind of try to convey to my students is. You know, there's no real easy way to do this. You have to, you have to put in the work. You know, when you skip steps, it shows up in your in your yeah. performance. It shows up in your playing. It shows up in Absolutely. your composition. Yeah. So, you know, I always tell my students if you if you want to skip steps, you know, I equate it to the idea of like if you um are in the hospital and you need to have an operation, do you want a doctor that skips steps to get his diploma, or do you want a doctor that yeah, you know, did all the necessary work to get his mm -hmm. his degree, right. and of course they always choose the latter. So yeah, um, it's the same with music. You know, we you know if this is something that we love and that we're passionate about, you know, we have to take the necessary steps to 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 reap all the benefits. So yeah, for me, I'm glad that there wasn't um, that I didn't skip steps, and I you know because I still. I'm still learning to this day, yeah, but, uh, sure, man. you know, yeah. these, you know, these steps that I took to get to where I am now, um, is, is, it wasn't easy, but it's, I'm glad that I did it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think part of that is the reason that I, you know, am able to continue to work and to work with different, different bands, you know, it's, yeah, you yeah. know I can, I can play trio with Kenny Barron or in his quintet projects and then turn around and, play with Maria Schneider or yeah. or um you know or Robbie Coltrane or or yeah. you know whoever you know you know the late great Pharaoh Sanders um so all these bands you know um I think you know all these you know all my previous history has really helped me to be able to navigate through these different bands that I that I've been fortunate enough to work with over the years. Yeah, yeah, all kind of different situations. Feel comfortable mm -hmm. in all kind of different situations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not just comfortable. I mean, masterful. You know. No, oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so um, talk about some of your, if you will, talk about some of your projects that you're involved in now. I was just reading about your new album that's come out, which I'm going to get a copy of here. Your. Uh, oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I have a. Um quintet project that I put together, I guess this is probably around 2018, uh, called Pentad. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a band that features uh, some kind of, you know, younger musicians who are up and coming and, and uh, who've already started making a name for themselves. Uh, one being uh, uh, the vibraphonist Joe Ross from Chicago. Yeah. Um, and young alto player who I who I've known since he was probably about seven or eight uh Emmanuel Wilkins from Philadelphia um and then rounding out the band is pianist David Varelis and uh David and, and I'm sorry and Desron Douglas and both David and Desron and I play in uh, a quartet led by Ravi Coltrane so there's there's history there we've been playing together for years you know better part of a decade and then, and then the history of uh, Emmanuel and I go way back. Um, 
and um in this history of of Emmanuel and Joel, they they've been playing together since they were in college. So um all those experiences kind of come together and we, you know, we join forces and and um you know the the meaning of like pentad is kind of like five separate entities kind of coming together um to form one one singlet cell. Um, but in this case, I equate it to like we're coming together to form, you know, a one band sound, a unit. So, um, so it's, yeah, it's been a fun project. And, and uh, during the pandemic, uh, or I should say prior to the pandemic in 2019, uh, December of 2019, I premiered that group uh, uh, also at my debut at the, uh, the Village Vanguard it was my first time playing in the Vanguard as a leader, I should say, yeah. in 2019. And I, you know, premiered this group. Right after that, we went into the studio and recorded uh, what was um, the first record on uh, on Blue Note and got signed to Blue Note during the pandemic. But uh, uh, the first record was called uh, Homeward Bound, and uh, that was a that was a record that was dedicated to. Uh, Jimmy Green and also Nelva Marquise Green's uh, daughter Anna Grace, who unfortunately was taken away from us in the Sandy Hook uh, massacre in 2012. Um, but I, 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 you know, I Jimmy and I uh, had played together uh, with Tom Harrell um, in the early 2000, like 2004, 2005. So. Um, I really got to know him and I really got to know his family. You know, matter of fact, I remember when uh, Nelva sent out the this mass email, you know, uh, stating the birth of their new, their new child. So, um, and as a parent, as a father, um, that really hit me deeply to, to um, have somebody so close to me lose, lose one of their, their children. So uh, they gave their blessing and I, and I wrote this tune called Homeward Bound uh, for Anna. Um, and so that was the uh, a release that came out in uh, October of 2021. Mm -hmm. And then just about a month ago, we released our second record um, called Passage, which is a, a dedication and a celebration of uh, the life and legacy of my father, John Blake, yeah. uh, who uh, passed away in 2014. Um, the title track, is actually a piece of his that uh, that he never got a chance to record. So uh, it was one of the first pieces that I bought to the band when I put the band together. Um, and, you know, I just love the way they, they played over it. So we uh, so we recorded and that's what became uh, the lead off track to uh, the new the new record that's out now, Passage. Nice. I, and, uh, I haven't heard either one of these yet, but I look forward okay. to them. I'm going to get a hold of them and check them out. So. All right, thank you, man. I hope you enjoy them. Yeah, I will. So, yeah, I, so I want to ask you one more thing. I uh, I was reading about the Homeward Bound, and I saw that you have a song dedicated to uh, Sam Rivers and Aaron Parks. Yeah, Did yeah. Did you ever have a, a chance to play with Sam Rivers by any chance? I never got a chance to play with him, but I met him several times yeah. uh, before he passed away, and yeah. and I've always loved his uh, his writing. He's he's yeah. such a uh, you know we talk about somebody that has a unique voice. You yeah, know, he had exactly. a unique voice on the instrument, but like his compositions were very unique. Like they, they don't sound like anybody else's. So right. like when you hear him, you know, you know, it's Sam Rivers. Right, right. So 
I think around the time I was writing this piece, Rivers and Parks, um, I had been listening a lot to his song, Cyclic Episode. And then I was also listening to this Aaron Parks composition called um, Hard Boiled Wonderland. It's based off this book of the same title. And um, I don't know, I just kept that. I guess those those pieces were in rotation of certain things I would listen to. Oh, uh, I remember I was I was I think I was on tour with with Kenny Barron. We were in London and I had some time at the piano and I just started coming up with this melody and I heard this bass line against it. And then I, you know, I kind of finished it. And when I finished it, what I realized was that I didn't, you know, unbeknownst to me, um, I don't know why, why I did this, but I started counting the bars. And I was like, oh man, this is a, like a, a shorter form. It's like a 16 bar form. And then I realized cyclic episode and and Aaron's piece, Hard Work, Boy, Wonderland, were both 16-bar phrases. So I was like, oh, man, okay. I, I guess I was really inspired by that. So I, you know, yeah, so yeah. I said, okay, I have to I have to dedicate that to them. So that was, that's why I became Rivers and Parks. Cause that's great. It was kind of based off of that. So, yeah. I saw Sam play when I was about, I must have been 19 or 20. I was living near Atlanta. That's my hometown, my hometown area, you know. And uh, oh, okay. found found out he was playing in Athens, Georgia, at this little club, and a buddy of mine drove oh. up there. And uh, man, they just came out. It was that band with uh, Dave Holland and Thurman Barker and Joe Daly. Oh, Joe Daly, yeah, club, yeah, yeah. It's a little club by the railroad track called Tyrone's. I remember that still. And they came out wow. and just played like nonstop for an hour. And man, it just blew my mind. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, oh, I had man. never yeah, heard Sam, anything like that. You know, Sam yeah. was special, man. I I remember. One of the first times I saw him, it was like a trio with with Jason Moran, mm-hmm. he and uh, I want to say maybe Nasheed Waits or something like that, just trio. But I and then I remember going back and seeing Sam's band, and what was amazing about that was everybody switched instruments, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, yeah, yeah. you know, one minute he was playing saxophone and the next minute he's like playing piano or something like that. Right. So it was just really interesting to see uh, that concept. And he was, you know, he was, he was a very unique voice. He, no one really sounded like him. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that, that piece that I wrote is, is definitely in that vein. So, you know, it's definitely inspired by him and, and Aaron. Who else in particular? I mean, you mentioned a lot of names, but is there anybody in particular, like some influences that really, that you really go like, yeah, this guy really had a huge influence on me, like either as a listener or as a teacher or? or... Um, well, I would have to probably first say my father. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, yeah. He had a very unique way of uh, writing these really beautiful melodies mm-hmm. over more complex harmony. Um, and um and his influence was also, you know, people he played with like Grover and uh, Washington and also McCoy Tyner, who he worked with for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also uh, for me, uh, Tom Harrell is another mm-hmm. big influence, you know, having played with him for, you know, almost a decade. Um, he's he was he was one that I looked to because he always wrote these uh, what I call memorable melodies, melodies yeah, that yeah. you kind of just walk away singing. Right. And so um, I think his influence was uh, on me about, you know, even he, he would never even say anything. But I, you know, I took away from just like 
you know, from from those experiences playing his tunes, uh, never forsaking the melody. So with my a lot of my music, I, I try to do the same thing. I try to write these melodies that, you know, people can walk away singing. You know, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't try to write hard melodies for the sake of being hard or trying to Absolutely. be hip or whatever. So um, I never, I never want to forsake the melody because I think the melody is what, you know, listeners hold on to, you Absolutely. know, after your performance. So, um, so that's definitely that. one. Of, yeah. Oh yeah, for, I mean, I, 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 somebody just said that to me today about my my own music. You know, they were like, you know, your music it has good melodies. You know, that's what we hear. You know, yeah. So I, yeah. I think that's real important. I stress that with my students too. You know, don't write something complicated just for the sake of making it complicated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can hold on to. You know, you know, the average listener is not listen to whether you wrote that in seven, eight or 14, eight or whatever, you know, they're, they're trying to grasp on to the melody. They're trying to forget about their daily, you know, their daily life We're you know, we're storytellers. So mm-hmm. if you're trying to tell a story and, you know, and it's, you know, all over the place, people can't follow it. So, you right. know, I try to, I try to write these tunes that, you know, engage the listener, you know, keep them wanting to come back. So mm-hmm. for me, uh, Tom is a is a great example of that. Uh, of course, you know uh, Wayne Shorter. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know uh, is another amazing, of course, amazing. Uh, com- you know, musician, but also composer. So he he's definitely you know he definitely has inspired me. Uh, Milton Nascimento. Yeah. Uh, I can go on Dory Kayami, you know, like a lot of yeah. Brazilian Rosa Passos is one of my favorites. Uh, Maria Schneider, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the, the list goes on and, you know, yeah. and there's, there's very different reasons why I like all these yeah. individuals, but uh, they, you know, to keep the story short, I think it's, it's more that I'm just inspired by their music and by their um and by their composition, you know, by their compositions. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear you say that, man. I think that's a really, uh, that's a huge, uh, you might not think so, I, but I think it's a huge thing that you're focused on the compositional aspect of it, you know? And yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, yeah. I think a lot of, um, I think in general, a lot of people don't think as, you know, think as drummers, you know, they don't think drummers can compose music and write music, right. but also some of my favorite uh, composers are, are drummers you know joe yeah. chambers is one of my favorites uh yeah, yeah. tony williams is another one of my favorites sure, yeah. um jack dejanet you know they you know they're sure. they're great drummers but they're great composers i right, mean so exactly. yeah. uh, so even more modern day i mean brian blade uh bill bill stewart you know uh so uh yeah i mean these these are these are great drummers but also great composers so i think i think um I think drummers have a lot to say. And I think what's really special about drummers is that they can come to it from, um, you know, a few different, you know, a few different avenues. They can come from it with a melodic sense, but, you know, but they can also come to it from with a, you know, with a more rhythmic uh, sense. So, um, or a sense of groove. So um, I think it makes, you know, drummers compositions very unique. Because yeah. of that, because of I those agree. aspects, that's, that's a good point. I agree with that, hundred so, percent. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm, I've yeah. definitely been inspired by a lot of drummer composers too. <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. But yeah, that makes me want to check out those guys. I mean, I know, of course, I know all those guys, but it, of course, I've heard lots of Jack's music. 
Oh yeah. Um, oh. Matter of fact, the, the <clears throat> Pentad group, um, Pentad band actually plays one of his compositions um, called uh, what's it called? Papa Daddy and Me. Uh, and that was a composition off of, I think, his first record called uh, Complex. And he's not even playing drums on it. And he's playing melodica and right, Roy right. Haynes is playing drums. It's a piece that he wrote for Roy Haynes. Yeah. Uh, and it's a simple melody, but it's 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 very catchy. And um, yeah, we enjoy we enjoy playing it. We actually recorded, but it didn't make the record. But, um, you know, uh, you know, who knows, maybe in the future. But uh yeah, I mean, I, I love that. I I love his compositions. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, we, you know, I think drummers have a lot to say. Yeah. Yeah, I interviewed Bob Moses recently. Oh, and, uh, yeah. And uh, Bob writes a lot, too. He writes. His, yes, he does. It's, it's unique and it's it's free. You know, it's all free. And it's. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, uh, I mean, same with Paul. Uh, Paul Motion. Was, yeah, Paul Motion. Was another, exactly. was another yeah. one of my favorite composers. Man. Sure, like, man. Very unique composer, very unique yeah, they, writer. You bring a real unique thing to it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that's, um, so the Pentad is one project. Now I have another project um, actually that I'm getting ready to premiere um, at the Vanguard in October. Um, you know, kind of like the beginning of October, I think October 10th through the 15th. I'm premiering this band called uh, My Life Matters. And um, it's a set of, it's a suite of music, I should say, that I was commissioned to write by the uh, Jazz Gallery. And um, it speaks to, um, you know, trying to unify us as a people, you know, not trying to think as separate races, but as the one race, the human race. And, you know, and speaking to the, you know, to the, you know, the message saying, like, when one of us is down, we're all down. So uh, we can't be afraid to to speak up and speak out. But when we see injustice is happening, because mm -hmm. if it's if it's injustice to one person, it's injustice to all persons. So, um, so the music I wrote for that is kind of based on that idea, and it's called "My Life Matters." So, uh, it's a six movement suite uh, that we're going to premiere at the um, at the Vanguard in October, and that band consists of um, great young pianist named uh, Fabian Amazon. Um, bass is, is Desron Douglas, um, saxophone and Ewe is, uh, Dana Stevens, um, who he and I have worked with, um, and, uh, Kenny Barron's quintet for many, many years now. And I've played on a few of his different projects. And then, um, rounding out the band is a, a new up and coming, uh, vibraphonist named, um, Jalen Baker from Houston. Um, I think he's only, I don't even know, maybe 23 or 24, maybe even younger or something yeah. like that, but just unbelievable mature player for his age. Um, and this will be his debut at the Vanguard. I, I think he's never played at the Vanguard before. So this will be his first time. So I'm really looking forward to, um, bringing that band into the Vanguard, uh, this year and, and hopefully, uh, next year we'll, when we go back, um, I'll have to record the same band live there. Great, man. Yeah. So those are some of the projects I have. Yeah, that's awesome. Now. That's awesome. Thank so you. I want to ask you while we're talking also, if you can tell me just of your own, not just your own recordings of your, your own as a leader, but mm -hmm. in just in general, what are some of the favorite recordings that you're on? Oh, just oh like man. Some what? of the top, maybe top four or five or something like that. If you can think of something like that. 
Uh, okay. Um, one of, one of my favorites is uh, the Maria Schneider, the Data Lord CD. Yeah, that's a great. That's awesome. Uh, thank you, man. That yeah, that awesome, was really man. a fun. Yeah. That was a fun project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a there's also a record that I did with Kenny Barron and Dave Holland called uh, "Without Deception," which is was a very uh, fun project to do. Um, it was my first time working with Dave, and I remember him saying to me when we when we were when we were um, recording because you know it was the first time we ever played together. He was like, "Man, like playing with you is like putting on a." good old pair of shoes that still that still you know that still feel good as soon as you step in on them. I was like oh that's man. the best compliment you can get man. yeah yeah <laughs> so um so that was a that was a fun <clears throat> project um and that that record came out really well um let's see another project actually a record that just came out I think two or three days ago um great trumpeter Terrell Stafford has a new record out called Between Two Worlds um, which features his quintet uh, of Tim Warfield on saxophone, Bruce Barth on piano, uh, David Wong on bass, and uh, myself rounding it out on on drums, and then uh, special guest Alex Acuna on uh, oh, yeah. percussion. Yeah, wow. wow! So that was that was really a lot of fun to, to record, and, and and yeah, that just came out. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, one of my favorite records that I did with uh, Tom Harrell is a record of his called um, Infinity, which uh, features a quintet of um, Ben Street on bass, uh, Charles Altura, Charles Altura on guitar, Mark Turner on tenor saxophone, myself and and Tom. And those compositions on there are really amazing. They're all yeah. they're all of Tom's compositions, but that, that was amazing. actually yeah. yeah, that was that was a yeah. really fun project to do. That one yeah. and there's another one of his called uh, Colors of a Dream, which is uh, a project he had with two bases, um uh, his long his long standing bases, Ugano Kegwa and um Esperanza Spalding, the great Esperanza Spalding. Yeah. Yeah. And then um Wayne Escoffrey on tenor, um, Jaleel Shaw on alto, and myself on drums. So mm-hmm. that's another project of his that I that I really enjoyed doing. And the music on there is great too. Those are some of the records. I yeah, mean, there's, cool. there's 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 a lot more, but yeah, sure, those are sure. ones that um that I that I. So tell me about with. tell me about this thing with Bill Frizzell, man, that you're on with Greg Tardy. Oh, that's um, another one you got to put on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's 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 been an amazing project. We were actually out all this summer. Um, Bill during the pandemic wrote a, a bunch of music, and he kind of had this band in mind with no bass, just yeah. uh, piano, drums, and saxophone. And um, I had done a, maybe a couple things with him. Uh, I remember playing uh, a duo gig with him uh, pre-pandemic. Uh, what was that at the stone i think when it first moved to uh john zorn's club the stone when it first moved to uh the new school inside the mm-hmm. new school okay. and um i guess he he was doing one of those residencies there and um he had a couple nights where he featured different drummers i think it was myself uh mark juliana and 
and maybe one or two other other uh drummers and i just remember like that first that first um our first time playing together it was it was just an amazing feeling like it you know same type of thing with dave like it kind of felt like we had played together many you know for many years yeah uh so we had you know we you know when when the pandemic hit you know we we would keep in touch and we kind of just um I would just check in with him, see how he's holding up, and he would do the mm-hmm. same for me. Right. And at one point on one of the conversations, he's like, man, I have this idea. Um, I've been writing all this music, but I don't know how it's going to sound. I, you know, and um, would you be into recording with me? And I was like, oh, man, sure. You know, I would love to be able to get together and play. So, yeah. you know, but it was an amazing experience because none of us, none of us in the band knew what, it was going to be, um, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of got together once and kind of just ran over the heads. But then, you know, when we got to the studio, it was just kind of like, all right, let's just try it, you know, yeah. see what happens. Uh, you know, he didn't even have names for the song, you know, <laughs> somewhere were like April 2022 yeah. or, you know, or March yeah, dates, 20, yeah, right. 2020 or something like that. Okay. Um, but, you know, the thing that I loved about it was that, you know, he, he put trust and had trust in everybody's ability, you know, their musical ability to, to bring their own voices to the music. And I think the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the ending result was a very honest and a very uh, organic, organic way of recording. Uh, a lot of the, the music you hear on this, on this record is um, first and second takes and stuff. Like we didn't really do, too many takes so a lot of it is yeah a lot of it's first takes uh what's interesting now is you know now that we've had a chance to play the music we've done a few tours you know the music has evolved and it sounds completely different from the recording you know which is you know like some of the tunes we play don't even sound anything like the way it sounded on the record um so it's it's pretty interesting to see you know where it's where it's evolved um so we were out all this summer in europe you know playing you know playing festivals and each night it was different it was just you know it was for me it was just um you know i was i was eager to get to the bandstand because i always wanted to know okay what what are we what are we gonna get to tonight you know and it was just you know it was always always great and then to conclude it at you know our you know what i like to think of as my second home in the vanguard was just you know like the icing on the on the cake, it was just a, a a really an amazing way to to end end that run. And yeah. um, I think we have some more things coming up next year. Yeah, I hope uh, so. Like a tour in the fall or something like that. You think we'll uh, make you a, know, another recording of that? Like after the tour, it'd be nice to record how it. I would. From the... Yeah, I would love to. I would love to see. I'm, I'm. You know, he's always writing and he's always bringing in new music. So it would be great to get a volume two or something in there. Yeah. Um, you know, there's also, uh, actually, I think there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of music that didn't make the record. I think there's, you know, at least four or five tunes that didn't make the record. Uh, but yeah, it would be great to, um, to, uh, to get back in the studio with, with that band. Uh, you know, I think it's a very special and a very unique uh, band. Um, you know, of course the, the history of, um, you know, Bill and, and Greg, they, you know, they've played together for many, many years. So, um, 
they bring a certain element to to the bandstand when they pay, play melodies together. It's like it sounds like one instrument. You know, they yeah. they they are they know how to lock in and really uh, blend very well. And then, um, you know, and then the history with with Bill and Gerald, you know, playing with uh, Charles Lloyd for you know for many years. Um, it's also another element that uh, that is uh, that's very interesting to explore uh, whenever we step on stage. Um, you know, I also think what's what's very was very unique about that band is that you know it's you know he doesn't you know Bill doesn't take that approach like where it's like okay we play the melody now it's your turn yeah. to solo it's like it's a very um, it's a very uh, you know, compositional speaking, it's 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 very it's very interactive. We even a lot of times you don't know who's selling. It's you know, it's like we kind of just have this collective thing going on, and it's and it's um yeah, it's very interesting. You know, like we we didn't we he you know he never said anything, but we kind of just organically fell into that place where it was like, okay, uh, you know, what's going to happen? You know, like okay, maybe you know maybe I'll play a little something here. And then maybe, you know, somebody else will play something, you know, so it's, uh, I, I like that aspect, you know, because mm -hmm. it's a, just a different way of, of, of playing in a, in a band, you know, so, mm -hmm. uh, um, and he's in Bill, he doesn't really think of himself as the leader. He thinks yeah, of us right. as all of us as leaders in a way, you know, we just right. you know come together. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's been a very, um, a beautiful experience to, to, yeah, yeah. Uh, to to share the bandstand with these uh, three musicians has been a fun project. I can imagine. Yeah. I'd love to see that. Man. Yeah, yeah. I've I been, hope uh, sometime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hope we. I, I think we're playing. Well, I know we're playing there next year at the Vanguard, and I know we have some stuff in the fall coming up. So, um, so I look forward to for forward to that. Uh, another band that I've had the experience of playing with, or another gentleman, I should say that I had the experience of playing with um the last year or so is um is uh fred hurst oh yeah uh, great great pianist um yeah last last year i got a call uh the the day that he was supposed to start at the vanguard the tuesday uh around four o'clock i got a call and i was i was literally just chilling i was like I was really happy because I had just gotten back and I was like, oh man, I finally got a week to kind of chill out and and relax. And and um I get this call, Jonathan, can you be down at the Vanguard in an hour? And I was like, What? <laughs> and and uh it turned out his drummer had tested positive for COVID that day. Mm -hmm. And um and they needed somebody to come in and fill in. So I came in and what wound up what I thought was going to be just a couple of days turned in playing that whole week. And, um, it was a really, uh, magical experience. We kind of, I had never really played with Fred before we had, uh, I had done maybe a couple sessions at his house prior to that long time ago, but, um, yeah, we, we, we hit it off musically and, and, yeah. and, and personally. And I was, um, and so, uh, just uh, a few months ago, he, uh, we played again, uh, this year, uh, I think that was in, what was that? Might have been uh, in June, I think we played, June or July. Um, and so that's been fun to 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 uh, 
explore some more trio with uh, he and uh, Drew Grass. Yeah, Drew's great. Uh, yeah, Drew's amazing. Um, I first started playing with Drew a little bit with with Robbie's band, but you know, I hadn't really worked with him extensively like that. So it's been a lot of fun to um, to play in that trio. Yeah, because uh, because he and Fred have been playing for you know probably over thirty years together. So yeah. uh, there's there's just that link, and then when I come in there, it's just really. F- really fun to see where I can fit in. So that's been a lot of fun to uh, explore his music. He's another gifted composer and, and uh, you know, I love getting inside his music like that. That's great, man. Well, man, this has been a real pleasure talking to you. I have to tell you, it's been a real pleasure. I appreciate you doing oh, this. Of and, course, uh, man. Likewise, man. My pleasure's all mine. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap this up today? You got any you want to say to the to the students or uh to the musicians or to any of us to me <laughs> well <laughs> Anything, uh, you know. i mean i think for the students just man put the work in put the time yeah. in right. um that's that's the most thing that's the that's the one thing that i can tell you the, you know you can't be lazy yeah. uh, when it comes to playing this music and studying this music learn all you can yeah. um listen as as much as you can i've been you know like i said earlier i just started teaching at, at William Patterson. And that's one of the first things that I tell my students, man, listen to as yeah. much music as you can. Yeah. Um, even if it's music that you don't necessarily, that doesn't hit you in the heart or whatever, it doesn't really hit you. I always feel like there's still something I can learn out of, learn yeah. from music that I might not necessarily be into. Yeah, sure. Um, so, but yeah, just studying, man, just, you know, putting the time and the work at, and it, it definitely will pay off. So that that would probably be how I would want to my my one thing that I could tell my students or tell the yeah. students. Yeah. Well man, once again, thank you for being here today. It's been a real pleasure. My pleasure. Great my pleasure, Keith. Blake. Yeah. The great Jonathan thank Blake. You. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, take, my man. Take care, brother. Take care, my bro. Thanks for checking out Notes on Jazz. If you want to communicate with me, I offer free consultations. Just check the podcast notes for a link. You can also find a link to my website for CDs, downloads, and videos. See you next time at Notes on Jazz.